I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it bring it to the bring it Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, we are here with Dave Hendrick, who, of course, you can find all of his stuff through EPL Index, through Anfield Index. Uh, no Twitter personally currently, but he's tweeting out from EPL Index sometimes as well. So if you want to have a chat with him, go on over there or listen to the many terrific podcasts that he both hosts and appears on. Fortunately, we are one of the latter today. Dave, this is, of course, our 2021 Summer Transfer Window Review. Uh, I got to say, just as like an overview, I did a little bit of napkin math. This is the highest average grade I've given for the entire Premier League since we started doing this. And I was thinking there might be some correlation there between the fact that the Premier League had uh, all the money and most of the European leagues had basically none of the money. Fantastic stat is that Norwich would have been the top spenders in La Liga this season or, or this particular window, which is just bonkers. What impact do you think the, you know, COVID finances and all of that had on, on the Premier League teams having as good of a window as they did while a lot of the international teams had to kind of stay put or, or do business a bit further down the food chain? Yeah, I mean, I think you're 100% right when you look at the impact on co- of COVID on France, where the TV deal collapsed. You look at um, the situation with Inter Milan, uh, how they had to find, you know, 80 million to balance their books this summer. Juventus obviously have made a dreadful job of running their club over the last couple of years. Congratulations on your new sporting director, by the way. Um, did, a, did a stand-up job at Juve. Um, La Liga, as you said, they're selling future TV rights or percentages of future TV rights because the, the league is in so much trouble. And then you've got, just got Barcelona standing out on an island, 1.5 billion in debt, not knowing what they're doing and just waving goodbye to the best player maybe ever. The Premier League was in a really strong position this year. And, you know, I, I think it helps how many clubs have taken a strong analytical ap- approach you know, Brighton have been doing it for years. Liverpool have been doing it for years. Brentford now coming into the league. A couple of clubs appointing new sporting directors, yourselves, and, and Aston Villa, uh, improvements in those regards. So I do think the Premier League was just well set up to attack the market this summer. And, you know, you factor in sales as well. I think some clubs have sold really well in the Premier League, and we'll, we'll get to a couple of them. But... I just think overall, it's been a really good window for the majority of clubs. I think there's maybe three or four clubs that have done, not poorly, I don't think anyone's outright done poorly, bar maybe one, but disappointingly, and and of course my own Liverpool will be one of those disappointing clubs. But overall, I think 
there's only really one that I look at and think, you've made a bit of a mess of this. I, I think that the club will start with. <laughs> yeah, we may as well uh, go in there since you gifted me that terrific segue, which I'm kind of ruining by pointing it out. Um, but we'll start <laughs> off, as always, alphabetically, as they wanted to be known uh, <laughs> with Arsenal. Um, I've given them a C plus. Um, they spent a lot, most Ooh. in the Premier League, as we know. Um, all of the other clubs actually, uh, you know, spent less, but then their wages were way more. I, I think that's a very silly narrative. Um, saying, you know, PSG spent less on transfer fees than Arsenal. And you're like, okay. Wh- Let's ignore the 40 million <laughs> they gave Messi as a, as a signing. Yeah, bonus. and all of the rest of them moving there on freeze or, or on uh, low transfer deals with huge wages. Yeah, so... I'm not gonna I'm not gonna batter them too much over that fact because I do think a lot of people are purposefully ignoring uh, how club finances actually work. But let's start off with the positives for them. Tomiyasu and Nuno Tavares, I think, are very good signings. I think they're very promising yes. fullback talents. Odegaard was a steal. I don't really know if they needed him long term, and if they did, why they just extended Emil Smith Rowe and gave him the ten shirt. But also a very good deal for them to get in pretty quickly will likely be their best player. Um, well, uh, Bakayo Saka kind of depends on his his trajectory. I know some have him rated incredibly highly. I think he's uh, pretty good. Um, then they go and get Ben White, not uh, chronologically, uh, but he's a good signing. They, they were weak at center back because they keep loaning their most talented one away. Also interesting choice. Um, but, you know, you're seeing, you're seeing too much of holding and players that just shouldn't be playing at the back every week for a club with the perceived ambitions of a club like Arsenal. Ben White's good, but 50 million is craziness. Like, he's just not at that level yet. He didn't even perform at the level Brighton expected last year. And obviously he was tremendous for Leeds, helped get them up. Everybody was up for this kind of gamble last year on Ben White after that promising year in the championship. But then he decided to stay at Brighton. And the idea was he would... Knock on, benefit Brighton, move on for a huge fee. But it really only was the latter. He didn't really help out Brighton that much. They obviously loaned out uh, Shane Duffy last year because they kept him. Now Duffy's back and started playing relatively well to start the year. So that one's just, it's its a bit of a head scratcher right now. Uh, even worse was the Ramsdale deal. And Dave, as you know, I have never liked Ramsdale. No. Bournemouth re- uh, relied on him uh, after Begovic. Got relegated. Sheffield United signed him after Manchester United uh, recalled uh, Dean Henderson. Henderson. Yep. And they got relegated. So a lot of people are joking about Arsenal getting relegated just because of the Ramsdale thing. And now I think we're at a point where we need to clarify that we were joking when we said that. They're currently 20th in the Premier League. I don't expect them to be relegated, but I just need to clarify that those were jokes as the gap between reality and humor is a little narrower than I think most uh, Arsenal fans would like. But they signed him because of his save totals. They ignored the conceded goals totals, which are awful. And those saying that now he's behind a better defense, I don't know by what metric you can claim that. I know Arsenal finished top five, I think, last year in goals conceded, but it's because it's the only thing they bothered to do. They were very error-prone, which is the situations that will put Ramsdale at a, a disadvantageous position. And he's not good in those situations. $30 million for a reserve keeper. After selling Emmy Martinez for 20 
mm. to back Bernd Leno, who if you're signing a goalkeeper for $30 million, how solid is his job now? This is just uh, like... He, he wants to leave as well, Bernd Leno. Yep. They, they've uh, just tragic, tragically mismanaged this situation, as they obviously have done with Ainsley Maitland-Niles as well, who <laughs> pleaded with them publicly to leave on Instagram. But now it sounds like he's staying to fight for the right-back job. But <laughs> just more positional mismanagement. You have Bellerin go. He wanted to go. But you have him go to Batiste on loan. So that's why you're keeping Ainsley Maitland-Niles. But then you go out and sign Tomiyasu anyway. Now, like I said, I think Tomiyasu is a good player. I'm not one of the Tottenham fans that thought he was great when he was going to sign for us and now thinks he's terrible because he's signing for Arsenal. He's a good player and is very positionally flexible. But I just don't understand what they're doing there. I don't understand what they're doing at goal. Um, it's just, that's all terrible. Um, I admittedly don't know much about Lukonga. Um come in for 15 million and immediately started playing, which is promising, uh, despite the results in those matches. Um, I'm not sure if he'll replace Xhaka or Partey long-term. Uh, Dave, I assume you'll you'll have a better idea on that. But all in all, it's a really weird window. I don't think they've improved their starting 11 at all. Uh, I think what they're doing is they're aiming at like 2023 as their window, like the start of their next window of success. When you add all these players that I've just talked about, because all of them are relatively young, mm. and then you add them in with Saka, Emil Smith Rowe, Tierney, Gabriel, uh, etc. <laughs> so I, I think that's the plan. I think spending 150 million plus to not get demonstrably better in your starting eleven is insane. But I don't think they're making the wrong choice in clearly setting themselves up for a future date rather than now, because right now they're about the seventh best team in the Big Six. Yeah, uh, that's absolutely fair. Um, I, I, I just think it's... I really like Tamiyasu. I, I actually was surprised that you guys didn't follow through and get that deal done. I think he's very good. Right back or centre back. Probably ideal as the right side in a three. Um, and, and he's 22 years of old, turns 23 later this year. I really like that one. Ben White can't defend. That's just the simple fact of the matter is he's not a good defender. He's a very, very good ball player, though. And as the middle centre-back in a three, I'd quite like him. In a back four, where he's a right-side centre-back, he's aerially weak, not very good 1v1, positionally questionable. Now, I can see the logic in putting a dominant right-back in Tamiyasu to one side and then Gabriel to the other side. They should cover the aerial side of things and help him defensively and maybe he could be a ball player. I like the idea in theory that you've got a soon-to-be 24-year-old Ben White, a soon-to-be 23-year-old Tamiyasu, a 24-year-old Kieran Tierney and a soon-to-be 24-year-old Gabriel all developing together. Like you said, aiming a couple of years down the line. You could even bring in Ainsley Maitland-Niles into that as a right wing back with Tierney as a left wing back Tamiyasu, White, and Gabrielle as a trio. Yeah. And look at that as a long-term and say, you know what, lads? We've actually cracked this. That That's our defence to move forward. But the issue is, what's behind them? Bern Leno is massively overrated. He's not a top-ten goalkeeper in the league, and he wants to leave. Ramsdale has been the worst keeper in the league the last two straight seasons, and they can count up all the save totals they want. The biggest thing that matters is that the two teams he played for the last two seasons both got relegated. And he was dreadful. And you've gone and spent... And it's not just the defence in front of him that was error-prone. 
he was error prone. So that's that's a massive yeah. mistake in my view. They've overpaid for White. When, as you mentioned, William Saliba, they already own him. I would rather have him than Ben White now, let alone moving forward. And they already owned him. They could have spent that fifty million elsewhere. So there's the mistake. I would have rather had Saliba than White. So I I definitely downgrade them for that. I downgrade them for Ramsdale. You could have bought anybody. You could have gone and bought a really good goalkeeper for 24 million quid. A really good goalkeeper. Galini isn't even that great, and we got him for free. (laughs) Exactly, and he's a better goalkeeper than Ramsdale. Um, Looking at the rest of this window, I I think Nuno Tavares is a really clever signing because they needed depth behind Tierney, so I like that one. I like Lekonga as depth behind Thomas Partey, but the issue is who starts with Partey. They loaned out Guendouzi, who's a good player. They loaned out Torreira, who's a good player. Guendouzi's had a really good start to the year as well. Really good. And they were trying to sell Granit Xhaka, actively trying to sell him at what would have represented a massive loss on what they paid for him. And when Roma said, no, we're not going to pay that much, they gave him a new contract. I don't understand that at all. Mm. Like you said, they bring in Odegaard. He's a very good player, but they've just given Smith-Rowe a big new contract and the number 10. Did they need to bring in another number 10? Are you now going to play Smith-Rowe wide? Are you going to get the same level out of him? Why wouldn't you just keep Smith-Rowe as your 10 and keep Joe Willock as the backup? Yeah, and we'll get to him later. <laughs> like, I don't. I think this is genuinely, Kev, one of the worst examples of squad management I've ever seen. Mavroponis is better than Rob Holding and Callum Chambers, loaned with a cheap option to buy. Hmm. Gwendozi is better than Xhaka, who's dreadful, uh, loaned. Saliba is better than White, loaned, and they spend 50 million on White. Uh, Torreira is better again than Xhaka. Bellerin going on loan, I think, is a good decision. And I think getting runner Alex Runnerson, who's maybe the worst keeper I've ever seen, out the door is good as well. Mm. And that, I'm but sure overall, that was a factor in, in the signing of Ramsdale, but still. Yeah, most likely. But overall, this is this is a dreadful window. And if you pair it up with what they did last year, and you mentioned Emmy Martinez selling him, signing Willian, and now having to um, tear up his contract and send him away. Like... You really have to ask questions of what Edu is doing. In Edu's time as manage, as director of football at Arsenal, he has sold two players, Emmy Martinez and Joe Willock. He has terminated the contracts of four players, Ozil, Mustafi, <laughs> Papadopoulos, and now Willian, who yeah. he himself signed. Like... He is wasn't it a three-year deal and it was a three-year plan to get back into the Champions League and then three-year deal, 200 grand a week, money down the toilet. They also gave that big contract to Aubameyang that they spent all summer trying to get out of. Lacazette's not going to renew his contract. There's lots of talent at Arsenal. And Arsenal fans shouldn't think that because I'm giving them a D minus, that I don't think it's a, a better squad than what we're seeing. I don't like the goalkeepers at all. I'd be buying a goalkeeper, but I'd be bringing back Saliba, and then I'm happy with most of my defensive options because Tavares is decent. Pablo Mari's a decent backup. Holding and Chambers are okay as backups. Um, get Kolasinic gone as far as he can. 
But the you know, and then you've got uh, Cedric is is a decent backup right back or right wing back. So the defensive area is fine. You've got really good attacking midfielders, and you've got plenty of attacking options. Aubameyang, if you get him back to form, is is good. Obviously, Lacazette. They've still got Balogun, still got Enketia, and I really like um, Martinelli. And I think Nicolas Pepe showed when he played on the left last season that he is a good player. If you go Saka, Smith Rowe, and Pepe right to left behind, say, Aubameyang, I do think that works with Partey plus one in midfield. Problem is now they've complicated things by bringing in Odegaard. Yeah, uh, it's do you push one of them back me. in the position? Yeah, it's it's a very, very strange window. I think I've given them a slightly better grade because it looks like they're trying to repair the damage that they've done long-term by targeting a future date. But yeah, for this one, I think that's the difference is you're grading them on this window. And it is not good if you're looking anything no. near and like short-term. I, I include that contract for... for, for um, for Xhaka, I just think that's a yeah. terrible move. Like, why Why are you tying yourself to a player who's been at the club this long and been so poor and created so much aggro? He's now 28. He's 29 at the end of this month. And you've given him a new contract, I believe, until 2025. Oof. Let me have a quick look. When the, He's also not gotten vaccinated, so that's... That's yep. an, a, an issue in itself. Sorry, 2024. But still, he'll be 32 that year. You're now tied to him. He's probably And he's probably gotten a pay rise as well, which is the worst of it. Mm. This is the, the third contract they've given him, including the first when he signed when he arrived. And he's been dreadful. Um, so it's a C from you, is it? C plus, yeah. C plus and a D minus from me, because mm. I just think it's a mess. Um, we'll 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 ramble on then to Aston Villa. Obviously, the big one is Jack Grealish gone, one hundred million to Manchester City. I think they've pulled City's pants down. Um, Samata also gone. He's gone to Fenerbahce for five million. So they take a small little loss on him. Uh, they've loaned in Axel Tunzebi from United. I like that one. They've brought in Danny Ings. Now it's not the move I would have made, but I do like the signing for mm-hmm. them. I think he'll get them goals. I, I really like the addition of Leon Bailey. I think Emmy Buendia is a very intelligent signing at 33 million. And they got him ahead of Arsenal, which kind of says where the power is shifting. And bringing in Ashley Young on loan, oh, sorry, on, on a free veteran leadership, knows the club, popular with the fans. All things considered, including the fact that the, I think they got well over value for Grealish. I, I think he's a 50 million pound player and they got 100 million. I give Aston Villa an A minus. It would be an A plus, but I think they needed to upgrade on Tyron Mings. They haven't done that, but all in all, I really like Villa's summer. They've done it at a net profit, which is very, very impressive yeah. considering the fees for Buendia, Bailey, and Ings. And I think overall they're going to be a better team than they were last year because you've got three good players now instead of one. Yeah, and it's not just three good players, but they literally targeted players to replace the three things that Grealish's mm. departure left them vacant of. They have Ings now to score the goals that he was scoring. Not not many of them, but he'll score any of the goals and probably more than what uh, Grealish would have scored. You bring in Bailey because 
Grealish played most of last season on the left, and I think we all agree that's where he's best rather than in, in central midfield. So now yeah. you have somebody that out wide, creating those kinds of chances, whipping in crosses, really good on the dribble, might get taken down a few times to get those penalties that Grealish would have typically won. And then you get Buendia to do all the creative work to set up the goals for everyone else. So yeah. I, I think... And he'll probably get as many goals as Grealish did as well. Yeah, yeah, he he well could, which just makes Ings kind of like a bonus bonus there. Um, obviously, Ali Watkins potentially dealing with some injury issues, so covering themselves there as well. I, I think they've done really well. I The one thing I didn't love was the Ashley Young move. Uh, I really like the talent of Matty Target. Some evidence to the contrary. If Young but, is going to be the starter, then I, I do agree. I think that's going to be problematic. Target's yeah. a good left back, and Danny uh, Tyron Young is the weak point in that team. Yeah, and it's like, are are you are you hurting your future there for like a short term fan thing? Now you could argue like Tottenham did the exact same thing last year, bringing in Bale, which stunted Bergvine. But yeah, that's the the one thing maybe I wouldn't have done. But I've I've given them the exact same grade. I gave them an A minus. I think you know. Losing a player that does so much for your team means you have to replace them with multiple players, and they've done that. Mm. And kind of to your point, uh, and against mine a little bit, you could argue all of them are going to do more of the thing that he did. The, yeah. is- the only issue is that it takes up more spots in the squad to accomplish it. But still, yeah, very good business. Yeah, but it's yeah, and it spreads it more, like mm. as opposed to him having to do everything and like. If you watch Villa, everything was going to Grealish. McGinn gets the ball, he looks up for Grealish. Mings yeah. has the ball, he's looking for Grealish. Now they can look for Buendia, they can look for um, for Bailey, they can look for Ings and Watkins through the middle. They're going to have all these different ways and different avenues of playing. I, I think it's very smart. I, I really like the summer. And again, like I said, at a net profit, having spent so much the last two years, very clever. Yeah, yeah. Plus seven million, which is... Pretty dang impressive. So yeah, both of us giving them an A minus. Uh, now we'll move on to Brentford. So uh, this is one of the windows that I feel really exposes the fact that I'm not in the football industry anymore because this is not a lot of recognizable names outside of Ayer. I don't really know many of them, uh, which may may or may not be telling. Who knows? Um, the feeling that I get uh, is that this is like the promotions of Norwich, Cardiff, and Sheffield United, where they got promoted and bought a lot of players that would be really good in the championship and just kind of like hoped that they'd be good enough to keep them up in the Premier League. But they were like, they were covering themselves in one of those uh, hope for the best, expect for the worst kind of ways. Um, I don't, know if this is enough to cement them a spot in the Premier League. You could probably argue that the squad they already had had a decent shot. I know uh, Gitto, when we had him on, thought they'd, they'd uh, equip themselves pretty well up in the Premier League. Obviously, the the big opening day win against Arsenal uh, was emotionally massive, and I don't want to undercut that, but now maybe we have more questions about Arsenal than we thought we did coming into the season. Um, but yeah, this this just feels a lot like a gamble, and I'm not sure it needed to be. Um, still every chance that they stay up, but uh, you know, they're at negative 31.1 million net spend. And I've heard of one of them. Again, that could be an accusation against my knowledge base these days or against them and not really having the ambition to sign, you know, players that might have been the difference um, for them in, in their chase to stay up in the Premier League. But I, I don't know, Dave, do you, do you have a better insight on this one? I, I do like Onyeka, the, the holding midfielder they brought in from the sister club, Mitlian. He's a good player, aggressive ball winner, powerful in the middle of the park. I think he'll be a bit of a difference maker for them. Ayer's good, but he's a little bit inconsistent and he hasn't really developed brilliantly in the last couple of years. But still young, still loads of potential. Wiesa's 
Weiss is the big gamble here. Now, he's only eight and a half million, but for me, I think he's the type of guy who'd be really good in the championship and could develop into that Premier League player. Whether he can hit the ground running or not, I don't know. I think they've left themselves a little bit light. Um, I don't like the right wing back situation with Sergi Canos there. He's an attack-minded player. He doesn't defend well enough. And if Ayer's the right side centre-back, you're asking a big, lumbering centre-back to cover a lot of ground. I don't like the goalkeeper situation. I, I don't like uh, Rea. Alvaro Fernandez. they've brought in on a on a free or on a loan, I think it is. He's not great either. So I think they've left themselves a little bit short. But like you said, I do think it is that, you know, let's hope we stay up. But if not, these lads will probably come down to the championship with us and we'll be fine. And if we want to balance our books, we'll just sell Ivan Tony that kind of summer. Mm. So I, I think it's kind of risk averse. They're a very, very smart club, very well run, obviously. And they do have talent. It's not like they're coming up with a, a team of bang average championship players. They're coming right. up with Premier League talent. I think they haven't done enough. I'd go C plus because I like Onyeka and I like Ayer, but I just don't think it's enough. Yeah, and I I don't think I ever measured mine, but I gave them a C minus. Um, what did you make of Brandon Hove Albion? Often kind of a, a like secret love of ours is some of the business that they've mm. done in the past few years. And a club that run themselves very, very similarly to how Brentford run themselves, since same the ownership from the same kind of gambling background. Same analytical approach to things. I, I love the business they've done in Wepu from Salzburg, in Cucurella from Hatafe, and in Sima from Slavia Prague. Now he'll get he's gone on loan to Stoke. But Cucurella fills a big need at left wing back. Mwepu, I think, was probably bought with the idea that Basuma was going, but since Basuma is staying, now they can pair them in midfield, and I think they'll be very hard to cope with. I don't love the fact that they didn't go and address their number nine situation. They've needed a goal scorer for a couple of years now. They spent all the last summer chasing Darwin Nunes, didn't get it done. This summer, they chased Darwin Nunes, didn't get it done, and they've left themselves short. I think they could have even gone and gotten somebody on loan to fill the void for a year. It's also curious to me that they sold Ben White for $50 million and then deemed that they didn't have to go and get a replacement. Now, I know they've brought Duffy back, but Potter had deemed Duffy not good enough. Mm. So how is he now good enough? And it, they, that centre-back trio of Dunk, Duffy and Webster is a little bit slow for my liking. So I would have liked one more in defence and, and one more in attack. But when you factor in, they get Mwepu, they get Cucurella and they get Sima, all for basically what they got for Ben White. I think it's a pretty good summer. I'd, I'd go a solid B, but I think they've left themselves. I think they could have been a top half candidate if they'd gotten that striker in. Hmm. Without that striker, I, th I think they'll be kind of middle of the pack in the bottom half, safe, but not not progressing the way they'd like to. Yeah, the, the one that I'm sure any uh, Brighton fans listening uh, will not want to hear is, why didn't they try to get Odson Edward, who wound up at Palace? Like, yeah, that would have been, and was linked to them all summer, right? And went for what fifteen million at the end yeah. of the day. That is just bonkers. I wanted him <laughs> as as the Kane, uh, you know, Robin to Kane's Batman, and then replace him moving forward. Like he has that level of talent. 
I just have no idea why they didn't try. The, the Premier League at large was terrible at signing strikers this window, which was a little bit odd because you'd think that, you know, that's a position that you could really take advantage of where striker prices are always a little inflated. But now with Europe dealing with the financial issues we mentioned earlier, you'd think this would be the summer where you could have taken advantage. But yeah, I agree with you. They've left themselves a striker short, but they ended up with a huge positive when it came to net spend. Um, and And I think this is the kind of window that I would have, wanted for Brentford and would have given them a higher grade for of like they've also loaned out 17 players geez. which is staggering yeah well I mean they've been uh, loading up on young talent for a while yeah. now which we tend to like but not really any of them have broken through I think McAllister finally started getting minutes but we're yeah we're I think yet Mulder to see will as well, well. Mm. um but Casado gone on loan Zakiri gone on loan Carbonic gone on loan and obviously Seema sent on loan to Stoke um, but they, what they've done is I think they've corrected mistakes from past managers. So Bernardo, they spent big enough money bringing him in, I think, from Leipzig. He's gone. Uh, Matty Ryan, it just it hadn't worked for over 12 months for him. Johan Bikash, who they spent big money on, he's now gone. Yeah, that was, uh, that was per- just... Percy Tau, they kind of had money tied up on him. He's gone. So you add all those up on top of White. I think they, they've had a pretty good summer, in fairness. They just left themselves short, that striker. Yeah, I just think that sale list is a bunch of just like disappointment of like mm. they should have been better and weren't. But you don't, you know, well, some some blame, but you don't want to entirely blame the club for that. Sometimes you just miss on transfers. But I think yeah. with their strategy, they'll be fine moving forward. And yeah, I think we've both given them a B there. Um, so now on to Burnley. So usually Burnley is a very short section. Um <laughs> They've actually done some stuff. They, they did a good thing. Not earth-shattering business, especially not for any other club in the Premier League. But bringing in Cornette and Connor Roberts is pretty good business for Burnley, who are notoriously cash-strapped. And their ownership situation is just, you know, the, the poor man's glazers, where they use the club's value to buy the club. Um at least that's my understanding. Feel free to berate me, <laughs> anyone, specifically Jamie, if you're listening to this. But um, I think it's a, it's a pretty good summer for them. Both both of them walk into their starting 11, both Cornette and Connor Roberts. Not sure mm. where Cornette is going to play for them. Um, so I, I just looked into this a little bit. So Jamie and I had a bit of a back and forth about where he's going to play. Jamie was frustrated that they kept saying that Cornette was a left back every time they were linked to him. You know, whenever you see a... a Players' name pop up, they'll assign a position to them. Yeah. Um, Cornette did play left back 21 times last season. Mm. For the majority of his career and for the start of last year, he played as a left midfielder and then got pushed back due to injuries and some other issues. And I think left midfield is where he's probably best. But there's a problem with that. And it's that Dwight McNeil is your best player. Yeah. And he also plays left midfield. So are you going to move McNeil centrally? Because that would be interesting, but we don't usually say see Burnley playing with a number 10. Do you play Cornet on the right, which he literally did not do last year, but he is a left footer, so he would be an inverted winger cutting on to that left. Maybe you'd see an increase in his goal tallies, which haven't been particularly impressive despite his talent. There's probably a way to get this work. And Sean Dyche is a tremendously underrated manager, and he'll find the best way to get all of these players to, to interlock, but... It's just a little bit weird that you finally spent $15 million. I, is, is that the club record, or is it still below um, that center back that they immediately hated? Slightly below Ben Gibson, I gotcha. think, but it's it's up there. So it's close. But it's just so weird to me. Dare I say Arsenal-esque. Buying 
a player for a lot of money at a position that you already have a better player in. Um, uh, betters, you could probably argue that. I really rate Dwight McNeil. But Dwight McNeil, Dwight McNeil is better than Cornette. Okay, for sure. right, cool. Dwight McNeil is tremendous. Yeah, agreed. So I take Dwight McNeil at Liverpool tomorrow. Yeah, I think most clubs would. Although, well, I don't know. I don't know if people know no yet, but but maybe they do. But anyway, so that's just a little weird. But they've inarguably gotten better talented there. Obviously, Connor Roberts going to help the the defense immediately. Their defensive structure is good enough to cover him when he goes forward. I'm not worried about mm-hmm. that. I've seen some people talk about that. Um, but also, I don't hate Wayne Hennessy or Aaron Lennon as just veteran bodies. They no. this is the club that two years ago during COVID literally didn't fill their bench. <laughs> like getting in players that have been there. I mean, we saw what happened with Bailey Peacock Farrell and everyone else when Nick Pope was out last year. That was a nightmare. I'm not saying Wayne, Hennessy, Wayne Hennessy is a great goalkeeper, but he's going to be better than Joe Hart was two years ago for them. Like, yeah. I, I think that's absolutely fine. And Aaron Lennon is about five years past it, but he still has pace. That still causes panic. That is still an interesting tactical shift that you can make if you're behind and you just want to cause a bit of chaos. Um, so like, it's not an amazing sign. I just think that they've done really well this summer, some veteran signings to just kind of fill out the squad, a couple of young players who could really, really become something there, um, at Burnley. And I I think Cornette has a lot of potential that he hasn't reached yet. My only concern is, are you not going to allow him to reach that potential because you brought him in at a position that your best player already plays? I wonder if McNeil might play on the right a little bit because, Goodmanson is the starting right side midfielder, but he is very injury prone. 12 times a year. Yeah, so, you know, McNeil could play some games there, allowing Cornette to play on the left. McNeil could play on the left with Cornette on the right. I also think you can play Cornette through the middle. When he first came through at Lyon, he was a striker. So you could play him through the middle with Chris Wood and maybe have that pace, a little bit of a game changer, because they've got... Wood and Barnes, who are like big battering rams. Then they've mm. got Vidra and um, Jay Rodriguez, who aren't really strikers. They're kind of inside forwards, bit of pace, decent enough finishers, but they're inconsistent and, and not elite level, shall we say. Cornette can just give them a different option there and be played on either side. I also think it's probably a bit of future-proofing because I, I think this is probably Dwight McNeil's last year at Burnley. I think someone's going to come in with a good offer for him next summer. And I think he will play the odd game at left back just because Charlie Taylor's injury prone and Eric Peters is past his best. So I do like the signing from a, a. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
you know, a plug and play option who can be popped in here, there, and everywhere. Uh, I really like the Connor Roberts signing. They had two right backs in Bardsley and Loughton, both of whom passed their best into their 30s. Roberts is an upgrade there. It's 2.5 million is a great value signing. Nathan Collins, the young centre back they brought in, big fan of him. That's the successor to Tarkovsky sorted. I'm surprised Tarkovsky is still there. I thought they'd sell him and look to bring someone in. They've been long linked with that centre-back from Nottingham Forest. I can't think of his name. Mm. Um, I thought that's what they'd do, but obviously no offer came in for Tarkovsky. And that would but have Collins, covered their whole window. If they had gotten $20 yes. million, it would have covered that and the centre-back. Exactly. Uh, Collins is a, is a really good signing, though. He's going to be very, very good. And I like Jacob Badeau. A lot of people won't know him. He was at Bury, went to Villa too early, didn't really work, got sent to Scunthorpe. Now, I think Burnley have signed him to play in the 23s, but he's a very highly regarded, he was a very highly regarded player at 17, 18. I think he's still got a chance to be something decent. And like you said, Wayne Hennessy and Aaron Lennon, grown-ups in the room, more grown-ups in the room. Going into the summer, I would have said Burnley needs to loan out Peacock Farrell to find someone to come in and be reliable behind Nick Pope. They've addressed that. Buy a right back, they've addressed that. I would have liked another centre back, even keeping Tarkovsky, because you know I know I know Jimmy Dunn left, but I'm not a big fan of Kevin Long. But Collins is a good signing, really strong there. I think they need one more body in the middle of the park because they've only really got Westwood, Cork, and Brownhill. Dale Stevens for me is time to put him out to pasture. Mm-hmm. So another body there. Get a wide option. They got a, they got two wide options in fact in Cornet and um, and Lennon. And I would have said a different type of option up front if one of the forwards leaves, but he didn't. But Cornette can still be that option. So all things considered, with how tight money is at Burnley, I think they've had a really good window. I think they've made six good signings, five of whom should contribute this season. Badeau's the one who may not. He may spend the season with the 23s. But all things considered, it's an A- minus for me. Um, I think it's very, very good. I think Dyche has, has done brilliantly. And it's good to see the club finally backing him, having done nothing in January and spent 500 grand last summer. And the thing is, they're still kind of playing catch-up on that because the likes of Jeff Hendrick and that all left and weren't replaced. Now they're starting to replace them. And I think this is a very good summer. Yeah, and I gave them a B plus. I don't know why I keep forgetting to give my grade when that's like half the point of the whole show. Um, somebody that you know, probably got a higher grade, although maybe not. You gave Burnley a very high grade there, are Chelsea, who they brought in Lukaku. We've talked multiple times on this show. Um, For most of us that made us title contenders, we just had your friend Ali on uh, this week. He's the first person to kind of buck that general thinking that that Chelsea getting Lukaku is enough to kind of make them title favorites this year. But what did you make of this window, and where do you see Chelsea finishing? I think Lukaku is a great signing. Look, it's a little bit embarrassing that they sold him for 27 and a half and buy him well, back yes. for 97 and a half. You know, we've all laughed at United for the Pogba situation. So again, we should all laugh at that. However, he is one of the probably three best strikers in the world with Kane and Lewandowski. I would still put all of them a level above Haaland, who's still very raw. So I do think that helps. He's improved massively over the last two years in Syria. They bring in Bettinelli on a free. He's just going to be a goalkeeper for the quota. Nothing more than that. But getting Saul on loan 
I think that is an absolutely incredible deal. Mm. And it infuriates me because he should have been joining Liverpool. Um, Liverpool absolutely made a mess of that. So that bothers me. I think this is an A window. I think Lukaku is a world-class striker who improves them up front. Saul is a world-class midfielder who improves them in midfield and can play with any of them because you can have Jorginho sit and let him go box to box or he can sit and Kante or Kovacic or Mount can go box to box. Brilliant signing. The only thing that stops it being an A-plus is they didn't get the centre-back they yeah. need. But that centre-back would have been more the icing on the cake because none of their defenders are individually elite. The system is the star. Tuchel's defensive so system good. is brilliant. He's he's a world-class manager. The upgrade from Frank Lampard to him is incredible. And I think they are the favourites to win the league. It's an A from me on Chelsea. Yeah, I've given them an A minus, but the the knock on them is exactly the same thing you did. The 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 reports the whole time were that they wouldn't let Kurt Zuma go unless they knew Kunde was coming in, but that they couldn't afford Kunde unless they sold. So it, it was always like one of those dominoes had to fall first, and they chose Wait. to let Zuma go first and then continue negotiating with Kunde. And the second that that happened. They were like, well, now you have an extra thirty million from just selling Zuma, mm. so now you have to pay the release clause. So they got jobbed a little bit there, um, but still. I think they've done really well with that sale, though. Like, yes. it's a good buy for West Ham, but thirty million for Kurt Zuma, making a hefty profit on what mm. you paid out when you've sent him on loan a few times, and he's only really had one good season for you. I, I think that's really good. I would say their mistake. The first mistake they made was January when they loaned out to Moray with an mm. option to buy because he'd be star- I think he's better than um Aspilaqueta as a center back. I think the mistake they made this summer though was selling Mark Guehi because I just yeah, sold Zuma and kept yeah. Guehi. You had both of them, you could have played both of them either side of Christensen because you clearly have had issues with Rudiger as well. Or you could have had, you know, Tamore, Christensen, Rudiger, and then Guehi, Silva, and Aspie as your backup three. And that's really strong. So I think that's the mistake they made. But you look at the sales they've made. 25 million for Tamore, uh, 5 million for Victor Moses, 20 million for Guehi. Got good money for Lewis Bate, Miles Pert Harris, and Dino Simeo, none of whom have ever made a first team appearance. I think got they got five loan million fees plus for, for all the Southampton guys as well. Yeah, got five million plus for Livermento um, as a, as a sale. Four, Thirty-four million for Tammy Abraham. Now that's who I would have signed if I was Villa. I'd have gone for him. I think that's a mm. better signing than Ings. Um, got eight million for Zaba Costa. No idea how they pulled that off. Three million for Ike Ugbo, who I, I I've never seen play, and then twenty-nine million for for Zuma. They've done their transfer window and made a profit. Like they bought a player for ninety-seven and a half million and made a profit. That's a staggering window. Yeah. And they also loaned out Tino Angerin to, to Lokomotiv Moscow, who's nineteen. I think he's got three first team appearances, and there's a seventeen million pound buy option in it. Chelsea are incredible at producing young players. The unfortunate thing is their they don't are really use stunted. Them. 
yeah, the careers don't don't happen. Like Conor Gallagher's gone on loan this summer as well. Like looks really good he's for them. Really as well. good. So I, I think that's the only issue I have with Chelsea. They don't promote enough of their own young players. But I, I love the window they've had. I think it's excellent. I just think they made a slight error in judgment with the centre back situation. I'd have held on to Guehi if I wasn't certain I was getting um, uh, Kunde, and I would have sold Zuma regardless because I I think I don't think he fits well in a three. I think he's good mm. in a two. Yeah, I don't think he fits in a three. I agree. Uh, the other thing that I think they mishandled a little bit, you know, as I just continue to bash uh, London rivals for for mismanaging their squad, is why do you still have Callum Hudson at Doy? Why is he not on loan with an option or on loan with an obligation? Because bringing in Lukaku, and I feel like this is an under-talked-about thing, so excuse me for talking about Chelsea a little bit longer, but you mentioned that Lukaku makes Chelsea better up front. But he doesn't just make Chelsea better up front because he's better than Timo Werner. He will also help get the best out of Timo Werner, who loves to be the runner behind a bigger striker. And now you have Lukaku, who is way more than just that, but also provides that. So I mm. wouldn't be stunned if we see both of them playing together at times, which oh, negates which negates the twelve wide players that you have. And a club wanted Callum Hudson Adoy institutionally wants him has wanted him for like three years now. Mm. Why is he still there? What is he contributing? It makes no sense to me. By the time he moves on, they'll get way less money than they ever should have, and his career probably won't be as promising as it should have been. Which obviously hurts the England squad for for those listening that care about that kind of thing. It's just, that is just horrible player management on that player in particular. For a club that is so fine with loaning players, you just went through a tremendous list and is fine with selling them at the back end, understanding that the point of the academy is to fund itself. Mm. Bring the players through. And, and fill the first team. Yeah, yeah, and fill the first team when they, when they break through. Yeah, it, it just, it makes no sense to me that he is still at that club. It, and it's not even like I want them to be worse by getting rid of him. Him leaving would have no material impact no. on their club. It's that that's just a uh, really really I poorly done for me. If you remember early in the summer, they tried to get Hakimi from Inter. Yeah, and I think if he'd arrived, Hudson Odoi would have left because I I think they will use him more as a wing back than they will in the front three. Gross. Played there a bunch last season. Really exciting going forward, but can't defend to save his life. When he was 16, he was more highly rated than Jaden Sancho. When he was 17, he was more highly rated than Jaden Sancho. Now it's not even a comparison. Um, I, I know for a fact that Liverpool would walk over burning coals to get him, bring for him sure. back to Anfield. Leicester want him. I, I, as far as I know, there's at least one of the Premier League club that wants him. Dortmund want him. Bayern want him. I agree with you. I, I think it's they should have let him go. When you look at their front three options. Lukaku will start. And then it's two from Pulisic, Werner, Mount and Havertz. And you would imagine Mount is a near fire, sure thing to start. Mm -hmm. So it's one from Havertz, Werner and Pulisic. And it should be Havertz. (laughs) And it's not close. It should be Havertz. But the only issue with that is there's no real pace in that. Lukaku is quick, but the other two aren't quick enough. Tactically, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so on a counter-attack, you might just find that he... We saw it against Liverpool. He was running away and the rest were a little bit behind. So maybe that's an issue. But like going into the summer, I had said, get that centre-back, maybe get two, and get that holding midfielder in, and then play Havertz as your false nine with, say, Pulisic one side and Mount or Werner or Hudson-Odoi or whatever, the other side, bring in Lukaku... Pushes Hudson Odoi out of the mix. I agree with you. They should have sold him, but 
that's that's something they're going to have to to deal with. And they don't care. Um, they don't need the they money. They don't care. So whatever. So we'll jump across London. We mentioned Mark Wehi to uh, Crystal Palace. They, I think, have had one of the best windows, uh, Kev. So they bring in Michael Elise for eight million from Reading. Bargain, absolute bargain. Yep. Adler Nascimento, the youngster brought in from Peterborough. They've stolen him. They're going to pay a small fee. He is a huge talent. Won't contribute this season, but long term, huge talent. Guehi, I love for twenty million. Anderson, I thought he was excellent at Fulham last year. Really liked the signing. Really liked the signing of Will Hughes for six million. Yeah. They're going young, but they've brought in a couple of grown-ups in Anderson and Hughes as leaders, as players with that real experience in the league. And then Odson Edouard in on fifteen million. Absurd. Also Connor Gallagher on loan. I, I think the only thing they missed on was I would have looked for a right back when Nathan Ferguson got hurt. And I think you could have probably got Ola Aina from Torino. He was on loan, obviously, at Fulham last year and did well. You could have got Jed Spence from Middlesbrough. They're one of the five, clubs that have inquired about Aurier. Yes, I, that may well be something that they do is they bring him in on a one-year deal. But other than that, I think they've had a tremendous window. Now, I do have question marks over Vieira, but I love the business they've done. And what I really like is, I look at that group, Elise, Guehi, Anderson, Hughes, Eduard. If they stay up, I think they'll be able to keep Gallagher next summer. I think they'll be able to buy him outright. If they go down, I think they'll be able to keep all of them bar Gallagher. And I think they'll keep Eberichi Ezzi because he's going to miss the whole season or, or most of it with the Achilles tear. So they future-proofed themselves in that regard that, well, nobody's going to see him, so they won't realise how good he is. I would have liked maybe one more on attack. I thought they should have been in the Adamola Luckman sweepstakes to get him in on loan. You know, especially while Ezzy's out, he could have been a starter on the left. They kept Zaha, which is huge for them. They cleared the decks of loads of bad contracts, loads of old players. It's an A for me. I really like what they've done. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you basically said everything that I had uh, in my notes on Palace. They're my only A+. Plus. Not to ruin the surprise for anybody waiting to hear that grade for, their, for themselves uh, moving later on. I think it's really important to remember that, like, their entire, not their entire, but the majority of their senior squad walked on expired contracts this summer. And everyone was just like, that's terrible. How are they going to replace them? I don't think I ever thought they would replace their outgoing players as well as they did here. I agree with you. Like Guehi and Anderson has hasn't been like the easiest start to the year, but they'll grow as a as a pairing. Fantastic business. Um, as you said, Gallagher on loan. He's started well, obviously. Uh, I just think Odson Edward is just it is mind blowing that he wound up at Crystal Palace. The amount of clubs that needed a striker this window, Tottenham involved. How yeah. did he wind up there? Not just did it, how did he wind up there. How did he wind up there and it was only $15 million? He only had one year left on his contract. And he told Celtic he wasn't renewing. Right, but nobody that, else came in to inflate and, it. Like, yeah, how was it not a bidding war? I know. I, I think it's so strange. But, I, yeah, I think... Like, I've, I've given Dougie Friedman the height of stick in the past because I think mm. he's done quite a poor job. But now I realise maybe it was Hodgson that was holding things back. Because this is this is an excellent window. And it's not just an excellent window for now. 
it sets them up moving forward. Like I mentioned, Nascimento, they bring mm. they brought in Jacob Montez, the young American as well, uh, Remy Matthews from from Sunderland, bringing in young talented players on good contracts that work, as opposed to Gary Cahill, Scott Dan, Stephen Henderson, Wayne Hennessy, James McCarthy, Mamadou Sacco. Patrick Van Aanholt is the only one I think they will miss because I think he was very good yeah. for them. It's just that Tyke like Mitchell as good as he flashed at times last year. Exactly. Um, I, I would have looked to bring in, like I said, a fullback and maybe one more in attack, even on a loan like Luckman. But you can't fault what they've done. I, I think it's a great window for me. For me, it's an A. I just, I think it's tremendous. Yeah, and for me, they got, they got an A+. All right, Dave, it's your favorite time. Every year, this lines <laughs> up somehow perfectly. It's time for you to talk about the Ev managed by the mighty <laughs> Rafa Benitez. So the Rafa appointment, I'm on board with 100%. I can't, I think he's a, he's, he's, he's not the great manager he was, but he's still a good manager. He was the best manager they could get this summer. I don't have a problem with him going there. I know a lot of Liverpool fans have the nose uh, joint. He left 11 years ago. Like, let the guy have his career. Let him go and work somewhere. <laughs> I'm more than happy with him. Like, you guys once had George Graham, who had an Arsenal tattoo. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't I don't have an issue with him going there. It's been an unusual summer for them. And obviously, they've overspent badly under prior managers. Like, they, they threw away a lot of money under Koeman, under Sam, under Silva, and under, under uh, Carlo. So this summer, they've had to really tighten in the reins. Andros Townsend on a free. He's not going to excite you, but he's an experienced Premier League player. Asmir Begovic is a bad signing. He's a bad goalkeeper, and you're bringing him in to back up someone who's also not a very good goalkeeper. Damari Gray for 1.7 million, by the way, is a bargain, though, and he started yeah. brilliantly. Andy Lonergan is a, is a quota goalkeeper brought in for depth. Rondon is a Rafa favourite and he provides solid depth behind uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Who might have a serious foot injury. We all thought yeah. he was just going to be fine, but apparently he has a broken toe and there was something going on with the ankle. I think the Rondon thing was to just get ahead of that. Yeah, I agree. Now, you can look at it and say, well, they should have just kept Moise Keane, but I think that relationship had soured so badly um, especially in the period where Duncan Ferguson was overseeing the team, the things didn't seem to go well. And then obviously Carlo loaned him out last year. So they sell Keane, or they, they loan him on ob- with a two-year loan with an obligation to buy. They cleared the decks of a lot of players, though. Walcott out, Bernard out, um, Josh King out, Yannick Balassi out, Mo Besic out, similar to Brighton, getting rid of mistakes from previous eras. Now, I, I think they've messed up letting Thierry Small go, especially considering they loaned out Niels Nkunku. I, I don't understand what the logic is there. But I think for Everton, this is a ser- this is a season of like trying to get a bit of continuity in the team, trying to establish a culture, a way of playing, a defensive base, and you know, developing players like Mason Holgate, like Ben Godfrey, like Richarlison and like Calvert-Lewin and getting more from them. <sighs> Unfortunately for Rafa, they just haven't given him the money to spend that he, he needed. Um, 
so there's no there's no real way to look at this as a, as a, a successful window because they haven't done enough. But I don't think it's a bad window either. So the fact that they kept Calvert-Lewin and kept Richarlison is big. And, and I think Ben Godfrey will take a big step forward this season as well. I'm going to give them a C. And part of that is that I, I think Rafa's a really good appointment. Hmm. So I've given them a C-. And I have one question for you. How embarrassing will this window look by comparison if Lookman and or Vlasic play anywhere yes. near their potential in the league this year. Yeah, I mean, this is what I thought. What I, I've talked to you be, before about it. I've talked about it on other podcasts. The mistakes they made in their short-term thinking on players like Lookman, Luke, um, Vlasic, and Onyekuro, and I worry that they've done the same with Thierry Small, but it is what it is. He wasn't going to get a start anyway. They've already got two good left-backs in, in Dinia and in Kunku, but it is what it is. Luckman, a front three of Luckman on the right, Calvert-Lewin through the middle, and Richarlison on the left would be devastating in my mm-hmm. view. A midfield trio of Decoure, Alan, and Vlasic would be excellent in my view. And I think if they had that, they'd only really need a right-back to go with Godfrey, Mina and Dina to have a very good outfield 11. I still would want a new goalkeeper, but I think that would be a very strong 11 as a 4-3-3. Unfortunately for them, they sold Vlasic, didn't think ahead and get a buyback, didn't get a sell-on clause. Same thing with Luckman. I just think it's so short-sighted. And Everton have been so short. I mean, you remember the summer. They, we laughed about it on, on doing <laughs> <We> this. <did. laughs> when they signed Vlasic, they also signed Rooney, years past his best, Gilfie, late 20s, and Davy Klassen, mm. all of whom played the same position. And then the one they sold... Is the most talented one. <laughs> is by far the best of them now. Rooney's retired. He's now a, a very bad manager for Derby. Davy Klassen, they sold to uh, Werder Bremen. He didn't do all that well there, and he's gone back to Ajax. Scored yesterday, fun note. Scored yesterday. He'll do fine in the Eredivisie, because, I mean, me and you could score a goal in the Eredivisie. But he's... he's <laughs> and Gilfie... Look, we don't want to get into the Gilfie situation, but Gilfie is currently not going to play for Everton again, as things currently stand. So that's £40 million out the window. Like... They've yeah. spent so much money and spent so much for badly. And I don't understand how that director of football is still in a job. Yeah, I don't know. And and like we said, the, the worst part about all that is when you sell players before you should and they succeed abroad, it stings a little, but it isn't mm-hmm. impacting you. There is a chance that Vlasic and Lookman could take points off of Everton this year. And I don't think yeah. it's a unlikely chance at, no. uh, at Leicester and West Ham. But anyway, we'll leave that there for now. Although I do think it is funny that Vlasic has gone to another club with too many attacking midfielders. But we'll get there in part two. Um, okay, so with Leeds, I've, I've given them a B. I actually remembered to say what my grade was this time. Um, that's a pretty big outlay from Leeds. They've done really well in terms of talent acquisition. 
Obviously, Harrison was terrific for them last season. Getting him in permanently is a great move for them. Former MLS number one overall pick, Jack Harrison, shall I say. Mm. Um, took advantage of Barcelona's huge financial struggles. Just stole Junior Firpo for 15 million euros, which is just wild. Um, curious to see how they mean to use him. He's a pretty versatile player, but I think he'll play more in defense because Harrison and Rafinha pretty much have those spots on lock uh, on the wing. Which is interesting. So apparently, uh, Junior Firpo actually played in central midfield in their uh, match against Everton. Um, and Bielsa is no stranger to using players outside of what we think their actual positions are. So not gonna not gonna overthink that one. I'm sh- I assume he'll make it work. Um, but it is a little weird to me. What's really weird to me, and seems to be a developing trend, is then you spend. 30 million on Dan James, very promising player despite stagnating a bit at Manchester United. But he plays where Rafinha plays. And he's not better than Rafinha now. And he's really not going to be better than Rafinha in a year or two. Uh, no. Maybe they're just worried about losing Rafinha or they know that financially they need to sell Rafinha next year. So you already have his replacement in house. You'll still get the money for him uh, that you're expecting. But outside of like some future 4D financial chess idea, that move makes no sense to me. Obviously, institutionally, they've loved him for years. Tried to sign him from Swansea in that January window before he went to Manchester United. I won't use all of the anecdotes that Sky spent like three hours using um, on deadline day. But it, it's just, it's really weird to me. that There might be some brilliant Bielsa brain way to make all of this work. But it is weird to me that both Firpo and Dan James are probably better on the wings, and now you're going to have to figure out what to do with both of them. More talented, inarguably. If you just took like yeah. an average of the talent of their squad, it is now significantly improved. I just don't know how it's all supposed to work. So I really like the signing of, of Firpo. Uh, I think he's a big upgrade at left back over what they've been doing, which is sort of a rotation of Alioski, Berardi, Dallas, and a couple of others filling mm. in there. I think Firpo will will lock down that left-back spot. That, that role he played at the weekend in that kind of 3-3, 1-3 formation that Bielsa uses is almost more of a... It's more of a wing-back, but he's kind of narrow when they defend. It's a, mm. it's an unusual shape, but I do like the signing. Um, keeping Jack Harrison important, obviously. I think they've had him on loan for three years, so it's about time they made that one permanent. Um... I, I like Dan James. They've overpaid for him by a substantial margin, but I do like the player. My theory is this, right? Their their base formation is a 4-1-4-1. Phillips plays the one between the two fours and Bamford is the other one. You know it's going to be Luke Ayling at right back. It'll probably be, when everybody's fit, I think it's going to be Lorente and Cock as the centre-backs. And Firpo at left back. Now, I know Liam Cooper's the captain, but he's not a Premier League level defender, in my view. I think they look worse when he's in the team. If if Phillips plays that role, then you go Rafinha, Rodrigo, or Matthias Click. Po- probably Click. Maybe Harrison plays more in central areas this year, and James plays left wing. That's my theory on it, is we're going to see Harrison more in central areas than wide on the left, and mm. then Bamford up front. 
The other speculative thing is maybe he's going to try Dan James at right back in a couple of games. That would be interesting. Where, where, that could just be a lot of fun watching him bomb up and down past Rafinha. Um, what I love about their approach, and they did the same thing last year, is they buy players for now, like Harrison, Firpo and James. They're buying for long term as well. Amari Miller, very talented. Sean McGurk, very talented. Lewis Bate, very talented. Leo Hjeld, very, very talented. They're buying players for the long-term future of the club alongside buying senior players. They're not neglecting one to do the other. They did the same last year, bringing in Gelhart, Allen, Drema, Greenwood and Somerville. Long-term prospects at good prices to be developed in-house, get the experience of working with Bielsa while they have him. And it means that, you know, when they have to sell a Rafinha, if Calvin Phillips moves on, they're going to have a stock of in-house replacements that could well be good enough and ready enough and in tune enough with the system to replace them. So I like what Leeds have done. I would have liked maybe a, a better backup striker to to uh, Bamford than what they currently have, which is mm. kind of using Rodrigo there. But overall, I think it's a solid window for Leeds. Like you said, a, a, a sizable expenditure, but they did the same thing last year. Spent a lot of money last year too. Um, it's an A- minus for me. I, I think it's very, very good because I like the way... They're doing both. They're they're buying for now, improving their team, improving the squad, and getting those long term players in. I, I think mm. I think Victor Ort is one of the best in the game at what he does. Yeah. And and what I love about the way you were describing how you expect them to play is I've seen a lot of people say, shouldn't Rafinha just move centrally? And the answer to that is no. No, no, no. no. <laughs> because what he's brilliant at is setting up a left back to have to decide if they're going to respect mm. his cross or his shot. Is he going to move in? Is he going to move out? And that confusion and how quick he is, both of mind and of body, just causes massive problems for everyone. And then, of course, he has the actual technique on ball to just do whatever needs to be done in whichever position he ends up in. Starting centrally and then maybe skirting out wide or just being stuck centrally just would not get anywhere near the best out of him. No, I agree. And he'll have less space to work in as well. So, no, leave, leave him on the right. If if one of the wingers is going to move centrally, Jack Harrison makes more sense. Yeah. From a physical capability point of view, he's a big, strong lad, good engine, can get box to box. He's got the technique on the ball. He's a very good passer. And that will open up the left flank for Dan James if that's what they want to do. And I think that might be what they will do, is James on the right... Um. Harrison will move into the central areas. I think that's what what, what they'll mm. do. Well, we'll definitely keep an eye on that. Uh, we'll wrap up this half of the show. Of course, the second half, uh, Dave will tell you how to find later. But we'll wrap up this half with Leicester City. If if you've ever played football manager or have ever heard the word wunderkind in your entire life, you realize how good of a window this is. But Dave, in case they don't, just talk about some of these incredible young talents that they've managed to get mm. Yeah, I, I think Leicester have, have, have had a tremendous window. Um, we mentioned Adam Ola Luckman a couple of times. They brought him in on loan. Versatile attacker. Both wings are through the middle. Really good addition on a loan. Pat Daka is a born goal scorer who gives them their successor to Jamie Vardy. 
There's no pressure on him to come in and start straight away and produce straight away because they've got Vardy, because they've got Iheanacho. He can come in, adapt, take his time, learn from the other two. I think it's really smart. Bubakari Samare, I'm really jealous of the signing, especially I think they paid about $17 million for him. He's a tremendous midfielder. He can start alongside Ndidi. He can be the Ndidi replacement if he's out or needed centre-back. He'll be probably the Ndidi successor long-term. Bring in Ryan Bertrand on a free is a clever move. Good veteran leadership at a position of need because last season they used James Justin there a lot. He's right-footed, a right-back by nature, but very, very good. He's also injured at the moment, so you know they need someone to fill in there. Um, they've been playing Luke Thomas. He's young and inexperienced, talented, but young and inexperienced. Castanier's not a great left back. If you're going to use him on the left, you kind of have to play a back three and use him as a wing back. The only signing they've made I'm not keen on is Yannick Vestergaard. Yeah, I know why they bought him. Like, is a human being? <laughs> no, no, I like him as a human being, but <laughs> I, I understand why they went for a centre back because of the injury to Fafana. But you could have done better than Vestergaard. Ozan Quebec would have made more sense. Um, you could have gone with someone with a long-term view. Vestergaard at 29, not a particularly good defender. Aerially very good and a very good passer from the back. But slow on the turn, slow in a straight line. I think they could have done better. But it's not, it's not a massive tragedy at, what, 14 million I think they paid for him. Overall, though, when you get Bertrand, you get Samore, or Samare and you get Daka, and that kind of net spend. Plus, more importantly, you tie down Harvey Barnes, keep hold of him. You keep hold of Yuri Tielemans, who looked a certainty to go. You fend off J- um, Arsenal on James Madison. You're keeping all your best players, unlike previous seasons where they've always made a big sale, be it Kante, mm. Drinkwater, Mares. Slabhead and Chilwell. This summer they've broken that pattern. Now I will say, they their wage budget is like a hundred and thirty percent of their turnover. They kind of need to make the Champions League this year, and I think it's just they, a they shame do. that they didn't either of the last two. And I think they've missed their window. If I'm honest, I think the the the, the other clubs have strengthened too much for them. Um, I, I currently have them penciled in to finish sixth. So I'm a little bit concerned that next summer we might have to see a fire sale. But overall, this is a very good window. Um, I would have liked a left footer to play on the right-hand side of midfield. And I do think they wanted that, but they just didn't have the budget available. So getting in um, Luckman is, is a good alternative. It's yeah, I an think A-. they wanted CHO. Option. I think you mentioned that earlier. but Yes, they did. They wanted they wanted Callum Hudson-Odoi. Um but I, I'm going to give them an A-. minus. It would be an A+, plus because the DACA and Samare deals at the prices they paid and how quick and aggressive they were in yeah. getting them done. Um, like those deals were both done like in mid-June. So credit to, to Leicester, off the mark quickly. Um, it would be an A+, plus, but I deducted for Vestigard. It's an A- minus from me. Yeah, I've also gone with an A- minus as well. My my issue is you already needed a center back. We saw the tactical issues multiple times, especially down the stretch when Johnny Evans was hurt, trying to play right backs or defensive midfielders in your back line. You needed to replace Johnny Evans. 
and then Fofana when he got hurt. And I think people are starting to have more questions about Soyuncu as well. That, mm. that They've left themselves really short there. And I don't want to hammer Soyuncu. Every player can have a bad three games. It's just, you know, this is the start of the season. So maybe that's that's making everybody's reactions a bit worse. But you can also wonder if it's the players that have been next to him helping him. Like even the best center back in the world. Well, that's not true because you probably think it's Van Dyke. But most center backs, even if they're very good, are going to be worse if the situation around them gets worse. Not many mm. center backs are just as good as they can be always, regardless of their surroundings. So I'm not trying to say like Soyuncu is a worse player or that he's not going to reach the potential that he has obviously flashed the last two years. But there is now a very small question mark next to his name in my mind. Johnny Evans is near 40 years old. And your most talented central defender is out for at least a year um, after that just horror tackle in a friendly. So I thought they already needed one, maybe two. And now I'm like, you might have needed two plus, or at least a player, maybe somebody like a Tomiyasu who could play centrally or outright um, when you have all yeah. of your injuries, stuff like that. So I, I'm, I'm really worried about that center back spot, especially as you say, I think, the, I think the big six is dead. I think there's a very clear top four, and I think they finish one to four in some order. And if anything happens to Soyuncu, they're going to tumble way out of way off the pace. The longer he spends under Brendan Rodgers, the worse he's going to get defensively because that's generally what happens. Um, James Justin can't get back quick enough. Now, I don't think he's due back until maybe December. Um, so that's that's a holding pattern. The same with Fafana. He will be back for however long. I wonder if Rodgers is finally going to have to give Benkovic a, tr- a chance. Because and he, he can't be worse than Daniel Amarty. I forgot that they didn't loan him back out. That that kind of takes away some of my heart. I know they've got a young centre back that they're very high on. Um, Nelson, uh, I can't think of his first name. Uh, he's he's like only seventeen or eighteen. He's in the academy. Hmm. They're very very high on him because I I only know this because I know Liverpool were linked with him. Um, so maybe he gets an opportunity in some of the cups. And they try and keep Evans only for the Champions League. Yeah, I I think what we might see is we might well see Evans and Soyuncu in the league. And then Amarty and Vestigard or something like that in the Cups. Um, up until they start getting bodies back. Yeah. So, yeah, they may have left themselves short there. I had forgotten about Benkovic, who I think came in the same year as Soyuncu, but then got immediately loaned out uh, to mm. Rodgers, if memory serves. To Rodgers at Celtic, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so we'll we'll leave things there, as we kind of alluded at the open of the show. Some pretty high grades throughout there. I think, for me, the lowest one was the C- minus for Arsenal. And for you, or sorry, I gave them a C+. Plus. Ooh, well, who knows? Um, <laughs> I think you gave them a D-, minus, but... Pretty good windows from this first half of the show. We'll see how the second half goes. Uh, I'm Kevin DeVries. You can find me at Kevroff. Dave, tell folks where they can find you in the second half of this episode. So the second half of this podcast will come out on the Two-Footed Podcast, which is on the EPL Index feed as opposed to the EPL Roundtable feed on any of your podcast providers. Um, You can also find that Two-Footed Podcast every day, Monday to Friday, at 4 p.m. talking about the Premier League. And uh, if you want to get in touch, I'm also... I I can be reached through the EPL Index Twitter account, um, but I do not currently have a current Twitter account. So there is that. Uh, You'll also find (laughs) podcasts on Anfield Index.
Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Dave. It's always a pleasure having these chats with you. And uh, second part will be probably out later this week as you hear this. So an absolute pleasure chatting to you. And I'm glad we're just going to keep chatting and then people will hear it later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.